1: It is such a strange idea, the song. And it's just, it. it's really compelling and interesting. And I mean, just, musically, it's great. And it just draws you in. But just the idea of it, and it's just, it's such an intriguing idea, though, the, mm-hmm. the whole song itself. And it, I mean, it's our human nature to be intrigued sometimes by things that are not good for us. Or to be fooled, maybe. And to not not be able or not be willing to see the danger. You look past it until, you know, it's too late.
2: Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily, and this week we are going to be talking about the last song from the first side of Kate Bush's sixth album, The Central World. We are going to be going back in time to 39 before the music started with Heads Were Dancing. Welcome again to everybody listening to this week's episode. So we're going to get into the discussion of the show. Don't worry. But first things first, I have some great news to share with you guys. Strange Phenomena is now a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. A couple of weeks ago, one of the founders, who also happens to be a big Kate fan, emailed me and said, hey, would you like to be a part of our network? Our network is exclusively music shows. And I said, well, hell yes, yeah, I'm me up. And also even more that, whoa, I get to be on Spotify. I'm gonna be on all these places I didn't before. Ha! Ah, yay, more people. So if this is the first episode, you're happening to be tuning in. Hi, and welcome to the show. So glad you're here. So yes, I'm super excited to be part of a really great podcasting network. Getting to reach more people and getting to also chat about music with other folks who love music like I do. It's just really cool. So that's first thing. I'm super proud of that. Yay, yay, go show. Also, second thing: the email address for the show has changed. You can now contact me at katebushpodcast at gmail.com. That's Kate at gmail.com. It is no longer going to be kbcast at linkmedia.com. So if you want to get in touch with me through email, KBK, or not, I'll start at that thing again, (laughs) because I just got so used to it, podcast at gmail.com. And that little flop up I'm leaving in there hot. So without further ado, now let's get into the show. So this week, we're talking about the final song from Side One of The Sensual World. We're going to be talking about Heads for Dancing, and we have a really cool fan who we're going to be talking with about this song. He has been on the show before this season, and well... I'm gonna let him introduce himself here we go and with me to talk about the song this week is someone who was last on the episode about love and anger. We are going to be talking with an author who I met at Awesome Con back in 2018 feels like ages ago in the these pandemic times here and that author is none other than
1: James D Benedetto hello
2: indeed hello again. So it's
1: been such a long time.
2: I know it really has. Hmm. So I'm excited to get to talk. This is a bit of an unusual song. And I know you said that you'd want to talk about love and anger. and You want to talk about heads were dancing. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's let's do that. So what is your history with heads were dancing? Like, why is this one of your favorite Kate Bush songs?
1: It is such a strange idea. The song, and it's just, it, it's really compelling and interesting. And I mean, just, musically, it's great. And it just draws you in. But just the idea of it, and I first heard it, which was in college, I had this whole, I had an idea for a story in my head, and I was using different songs of the time to like, just in my head, track stuff. And this was one song that fit a character.
2: Really, which character?
1: Well, it, this is nothing that I've actually was able. I never did get the story written, but a woman who ends up traveling with the guy who's going to eventually kill her, and so this song totally fits kind of as her theme. And so that's another reason it's always stuck with me. If I ever do write that story, then you know we'll see where that goes. But
2: that is interesting because uh, the way you were describing it sounds like. Like someone that who the the woman was intrigued by, who later turns out to be dangerous.
1: That's that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And so that song is just such a perfect song for that. It's just it's such an intriguing idea, though, the mm-hmm. the whole song itself. And it, I mean, it's our human nature to be intrigued sometimes by things that are not good for us, or to be fooled maybe, and to not not be able or not be willing to see the danger you look past it until, you know, it's too late.
2: Yeah. It, I don't think for me, when I first heard this song, it would have been either on flashback alternatives, probably less likely flashback alternatives because they would occasionally, they would have some, um, they would sometimes have album tracks, but they, it was, I think for Kate, they had the whole story and a couple of just other random songs here and there. So I think the first time I heard this would have been when I got the Central World album, which I got from Tower Records back when Tower Records used to exist. I remember that. um, I remember at that time I was starting to get into her music And I didn't have all the albums yet. And so I went to Tower Records and they had the Central World. And so I got that album, not really knowing much about it, except that part of the Kate Bush narrative was that she peaked with Hounds of Love and Central World is not as good. So I thought, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll get it and see what happens. And then, you know, of course, I ended up loving it. And I don't think it really hit me until later, quite what this was about. But I was, but I was intrigued. It's, a v- it's very dark. But extremely it doesn't really sound like it. It sounds very it's got a real rhythm to it.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, I remember reading and I looked it up before the show, but I remember I think it was in the liner notes back when for any listeners who know, you know, back when there were actually physical music that you actually bought to play on actual physical devices, you would have you know, the liner notes with the lyrics and maybe also something from the artists themselves. And I, I believe it was in the liner notes that she talked about this song. And I misremembered, I think, what she had written because the interview that I saw looking up this morning that she talked about it was a, a friend or an acquaintance of hers who had been at a dinner party with Robert Oppenheimer. And my memory of it was that it was Kate herself, which – I probably should have thought at the time that the time in the ages would have made that not realistic, but I guess I wasn't putting that together. But so, but that, that idea of it is just really interesting that, that it came from not as her experience, but an experience that she was told about like mm-hmm. an, someone's actual experience.
2: Yeah, And actually, um, you're, you're right about the, the friend, um, cause she talks about in, um, Len Brown in the Realm of the Senses, um, an NME interview from October 7th, 1989, she says, that's a very dark song, not funny at all. I wrote the song two years ago, and in lots of ways, I wouldn't write a song like it now. I'd really hated it if people were offended by this. But it all started by a family friend years ago who had been to dinner and sat next to this guy who was really fascinating, so charming. They sat all night chatting and joking, and the next day, he... He found out it was oppenheimer and this friend was horrified because he really despised what the guy stood for i understood the reaction but i felt a bit sorry for oppenheimer he tried to live with what he'd done and actually i think committed suicide but i was so intrigued by this idea of my friend being so taken by this person until they knew who they were and then it completely changing their attitude so i was thinking what if you met the devil the ultimate one charming elegant well-spoken then it turned into this whole idea of a girl being at a dance in the sky coming up cocky and charming and she dances with him then a couple of days later she sees in the paper that it was hitler complete horror she was that close perhaps could have changed history hitler was very attractive to women because he was such a powerful figure yet such an evil guy i'd hate to feel i was glorifying the situation but i do know that whereas in a piece of film it would be quite acceptable in a song it's a little bit sensitive it does bring up an uh an intriguing idea of like know you know how people's re- how how you will react to someone when you know who they really are
1: you may have had an encounter with someone who was dangerous or horrible and not known it i mean it's the kind of the cliche you read about after someone does something horrific and they're caught and everyone's like well he seemed like a good neighbor and you know he came to our little league games and you know he had chicken wings at the barbecue and you know then he killed 18 people mm-hmm. and i would imagine that's a similar reaction you think of that a song that like oh my god you know i was having chicken wings with this person you know he was in my living room and now and it was a monster but it's also interesting, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, that you don't, you don't know.
2: This kind of, right. you're just seeing one side of them, you know. Right. Anyway, so you were about to say. Sorry.
1: One thing, and this only actually occurred to me just now, and probably should have occurred to me at some point. And it's quibbling about that she, that she uses Hitler in the song, and that the woman in the song doesn't recognize it. That kind of seems thinking about it more deeply, a little unbelievable. She says nineteen thirty nine like no, I think that I think by then you would have known he was pretty distinctive looking. But I think you can let that pass.
2: Because maybe Cause it's such a
1: great song.
2: Yeah, it is a great song and she's telling you know, it's more about the story than whether I'm right. or... factually correct. Because sometimes say factually correct it's really a lot more boring. <laughs> But I do kind of agree, like, you know, by then, he's invaded a couple of countries. probably know about it by now.
1: But so, it's just the, the, the idea of just, you know, that you might have been at the table or been on the dance floor with someone like that. that I mean, that is kind of mind-blowing.
2: I'm trying to think of, I even. I mean, I know for me, I've met some famous people. None of them were bad, though. It was all, like, meeting Tori Amos or meeting some of my other uh, favorite singer-songwriters not Kate, unfortunately
1: but okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've met, the famous people I've met have been at events like Awesome Con, so like, you know you know that they're there and you're, you know, there's no mystery about it I don't know that I've ever met anyone where after the fact it was like that you think that I think oh my gosh, that was so-and-so. Good or bad, not necessarily like, not in the song, but even in the sense of like somebody good who was famous or and that, I don't, I can't think of an occasion where that's happened. Well, my wife had a version of this, which is that she talked to Matt, Mel Brooks for 20 minutes and had no idea who he was. Ah, yeah. Because she had met his son at in college Mm -hmm. and they became friends and he gave her his home phone number and this was like early 90s and she had not seen you know she was in college she had not seen a Mel Brooks movie so she talked to him and, and she says it was just like talking to you know your friend's dad you know how are you doing how's the weather out there how are you doing in school and it wasn't until after like one of her roommates like do you know who you were talking to
2: And how did she react when she knew?
1: She was pretty blown away by that.
2: Celebrities—they're just like us. They just want to be treated like people.
1: Right. It's exactly. I mean, I'm pretty, I don't even know anybody. I don't. I can't even think that I've met someone who later became famous. I don't think. Actually, I take that back. Oh, who is it? Puff Daddy was in my high school class. Really. I was haven't talked to him since nineteen eighty-seven, and I don't know that I even talked to him then. But <laughs> he, he graduated in the same class.
2: Wait, I do have a story like that. So there was—I'm not going to say the guy's name, and this part may get cut out. I don't know. I will decide. I will, I'll decide. I was—I used to be part of a local songwriter group, and we—we we would all take turns sharing a song we were working on and offer each other feedback and i remember this guy coming into the group and he seemed he seemed kind of cool and he offered some advice to people seemed really nice and then he and i ended up chatting about um french stuff and i found out that the um, this part's going to get cut out. You know, I'm going to screw this. I'm going to cut this part out. The person I was talking to was one half of a production group called the Neptunes. Like they, it's Pharrell Williams. He works with another guy that he went to high school with. Wow. In Virginia Beach, where I used to live. And they were really into music and they have their own production duo called the Neptunes. And the guy that I was tutoring in French and who will occasionally text me just like asking how to say a random thing in French is this guy and wow. I have no idea who he was and but he's just like Mr. Secretive I don't want anybody else to know who I am and didn't even tell me who he was so like I had no idea I'm like oh my gosh wait a minute. You've produced like act this hit and this per for this person and this person this person this person, this person who I don't listen to on the re- on a regular basis, but you've been on the radio.
1: That is so cool.
2: And I just had no idea who he was, and when I figured out who he was, I my reaction was, oh, well. Okay, well, that's pretty cool, and I'm not going to tell anybody else that I know you because I don't want them to, like, I know you, I I totally respect your privacy, but, wow, I can say to myself that I know this major music producer.
1: (laughs) That's really neat.
2: And I had no idea who he was, and... I will say that after that, my opinion did change a little bit of him where I I went, Oh, okay. So I know you're just a famous guy, but you want to kind of, you want to keep that a little bit more of a secret. You want to live more of a private life. Hey, I totally respect that. Cool.
1: Absolutely.
2: And that's why this part will get cut out. (laughs) That
1: makes sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The song, Yeah, it totally. And even the way she, uh, she talks in the lyric, uh, the way she uses the lyrics in the song, I find really intriguing. Because you can totally see like, like, she totally plays this guy up like, just like, very super charming and kind of cocky. Like, you know, when you walked up to me and you said, Hey, heads, we dance. He's just like, Nope, nope. If we if we if I if I toss a coin and it lands heads up, yeah, we're gonna dance. And we're not going,
1: you're not going to say no. You, you can see where that would be alluring and also incredibly creepy. And some funny. people just have that, that force of personality. And like maybe after the fact, unlike in the song, in the light of day, you'll kind of realize what was going on. But in the moment, you know, you, you can't resist.
2: And I like that they say that the devil is a charming man and just like you I bet he can dance.
1: That that's a great lyric. I like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I like that Oh and also I love the play on words and he's coming up behind in his long-tailed black coat dance. All tails in the air, but the penny landed with its head dancing.
0: Oh,
1: that's great.
2: Oh. That, that- Really good. Cause like the you know, the tails of a of a tuxedo as he's like walking in, kind of walking on air, and then you have know, the tail heads and tails for for a coin.
1: I think my my favorite lyric in there, and this is like a line I wish I could write. You stepped out of a stranger. Mm-hmm. That is such a great line. Like this, are sometimes, and I think as a writer yourself, you you know, I I would give a lot to be able to write something, even like one line that good.
2: I know. It's it's so perfect because, oh, I thought you were just somebody I didn't know. And I'm realizing that I do. And, oh, wait a minute. Now I'm seeing your true self. Oh, yeah. I I love that line, too. I actually did not know that that's what she was singing. I thought it – I mean, I thought she was singing something like you – you must have been a stranger or something like that. Like it was definitely a misheard lyric because there's like lots of stuff going on at that point. You
1: know, the one, the one bit that I, and even though I know it sometimes, like if I haven't heard it in a while and I listen, I still mishear it. And it's that, and this is getting into minutia. I hear Himmler instead of Hitler, which makes more sense in the song because You you might not know you might not have known what he looked like compared to hitler Mm -hmm. and he's equally evil so the song still tracks and it almost makes more sense to me in in that way but that's like just like kind of mishear because she sings it so quickly that you can and when with her accent you can not quite hear clearly sometimes
2: just making it the charming guy Hitler especially makes it very dark
1: oh totally
2: like if she had used someone else I I think it would have still had a big impact and it still would have been dark like if she had said it's a picture of Stalin or if she'd gone further back and like it was I don't know Ivan even the terrible or something like that that it would have still been dark, but the fact that she used Hitler—like
1: you—you—that's it. I mean, that's the the apex of evil. You can't go any further than that. And it's like the one thing that anyone, regardless of where you hurt, would know, because like you could pick—you know—if you think from from American history, you could pick like a notorious serial killer, and you could say you know, whomever, and most Americans would get it. But then somebody else in another country you wouldn't but no matter where you are you would get it with the way she does it in the song
2: yep oh absolutely and not just because since since that time um there are a lot of world war ii movies a lot more world war ii movies than say world war One movies especially like in america
1: that's very true, and it and it's and it's again something that everyone has the same opinion of, barring a few lunatics. But every every you know, there's not a lot of difference in how you respond to that name mm-hmm. compared to almost anyone else she could pick. Where there'd be at least some, depending on culture and age, different shadings of how you'd respond to it. But the, the way she chose with Ez, there's no dispute or question and you're gonna get exactly what she wants unlike the song a couple of weeks ago, it's pretty clear with this exactly what she's trying to communicate and and I, and, she, and she nails it
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, she uh, this is actually another quote where she um, yeah, she says it's a very dark idea, but it's this idea. Of this girl goes to a big ball very expensive romantic exciting and it's 1939 before the war starts and this guy very charming very sweet spoken comes up and asks her to dance but he does it by throwing a coin and he says the coin lands with head with heads facing up then we dance even that's a very attractive come on isn't it and the idea is that she enjoys his company and dances with him and days later she sees in the paper who it is and she's hit with this absolute horror absolute horror what could be worse to have been so close to the man she could have tried to kill him
0: 50 to get 50% off. That's factor slash pantheon 50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off.
2: She could have tried to change history had she known at that point what was actually happening. And I think Hitler is a person who fooled so many people. He fooled the nations of people, and I don't think you can blame those people for being fooled. And maybe it's see the, it's these very charming people Maybe evil is not always in the guise you expect it to be. That's from a Roger Scott interview on BBC1 October 14th 1989.
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think she's right. People people respond mostly human nature is what it is. You respond to confidence and you don't always ask. Mm-hmm. I mean it's mm-hmm. it's almost like it's in the back of your brain and you know at some point you step back and and think okay, well, let me think about this, but that's not the first response usually. That's not the emotional response. Yep. And that's uh, that's what people, whether they're, you know, someone as evil as that, or like on a smaller scale, like your your con artist, type, that's what they rely on. And by the time you have realized it, da- the damage is done, and they're, yeah. and they're ready on to the next thing.
2: Yep. and Then they got your money, and yeah, I think of all those. Uh... You're saying con artists. yeah. Even some of those uh, some of those scammers some of the scams that I will get people trying to con you out of your money and just being like right. or going in with your working with your emotions that they 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 know just like the things to say to get you to react a certain way and you're not thinking about it until after the fact and you're just like oh shit I lost my money.
1: Right. And I mean, and even like, not in a con artist, way, I mean, that's what a lot of art and a lot of communication, you, you're trying to hit that emotional point to generate that response, bypass the reason and the thought, and get the person to feel and like for a songwriter, you're doing it to entertain them or to communicate. And there's nothing sinister about that. But it's the same thing. It's the same technique in a lot of ways. You know, whether it's what what chords, what melody is going to trigger certain emotions. You know, if it's, you know, if you're making perfume, what smell is going to correspond to me- certain memories that people might have and get them to think a certain way and, and buy your product or put them in a certain mood or visually. I mean, anything, it, that's what you're trying to do. And it's it's who we are. Mm-hmm. And it's just, unfortunately, some people use it for bad or outright evil ends.
2: I it, I think it's interesting as she says that um you know she says I'd hate to feel I was glorifying the situation, but I do know that whereas in a piece of film it would be quite acceptable in a song it's a little bit sensitive.
1: I think it's the other way around. I would disagree with her on that. I think it were I think in a song and especially in on a, a four minute song because it's all in your head and you can kind of picture the scene for yourself versus in a movie where it's being I think the movie is is going to be a harder sell and maybe more irresponsible if 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 that's the thing at all.
2: Yeah, that is true cuz yeah, visual uh, cause, because a film is such a visual medium and yeah, you've got like no, this is the exact thing that you are seeing that or that I want you to see. Whereas, yeah, like you're saying with a song that you can picture it for yourself.
1: Right. And like in the song, you know, she, she, the, the, the narrator of the song, you're in her head. This is how she is feeling, which is not how you should feel. You're she's telling you this and you should you're you're seeing what she, you're you're hearing what she experienced. And you can draw your conclusion to what you think about her and the situation versus visually it's being lit to make him look charming and handsome. And then that's going to make you feel that he is. Mm -hmm. So instead of this is what happened to her and I can think, well, I can see how she got taken in or I feel bad for her or what an idiot she is, whatever my reaction is versus being made to feel for him as a, as visually you could do. So. Far be to disagree with her But I guess I do there
2: I I can see what you're saying and I'm I'm like between the two and I feel like um, I don't know Within yeah within a song or like Something kind of more written that's not Visual it's easier To see things I think from Another person's point of view Because you're seeing you're seeing how they're How they're seeing things You know what I mean Right. Yeah, it's It's true film is very hard to do. When I mean, there's a reason that certain books just will probably never get made into movies because it's so like, it's so tight with the point of view from one person. And how do you convey inner thoughts without boring the audience? You know what I mean?
1: Right. Oh, absolutely.
2: I mean, one of the books I can think of off the top of my head, also because he's still alive and will never let anybody dare touch that book, The Catcher in the Rye. Nobody's going to make that movie because it's like so, like, you're so in this guy's head. Right. And Absolutely. How are you going to convey all of those complex thoughts and in the in the inner monologues and things? You can't do that without boring people.
1: Right. I, I would totally agree with that. And, and I think a lot of the films that are of books that you know popular books that are kind of written in that voice or style with point of view i should i should say end up having to change stuff and then not pleasing anybody
2: Something else I never quite really noticed much with this song until I was kind of prepping for this episode. When I when I listened to the music on this song, I noticed of course the drums, like I love the way, by the way, I love the way the song opens, you know, like these drums, I don't know what they do with it, you know, like the guitars and stuff. have noticed the drums I notice the bass I notice a lot of the guitars but I always forget that at the end that there's a string arrangement which I find intriguing especially given the um, the time period that the song is supposed to be set like I picture the party that this where this uh, the narrator of the song is they probably have like a string quartet or something playing music for people. forget that there are strings at the end especially when her um when she said you know do you want to dance do you want to dance and she got a little vibrato on her voice and then it like kind of there's i'm gonna say i i want to say it's maybe it's the viola, the viola i'm not sure it's one of those orchestral and stringed instruments under there they kind of like on the final chord and then she does this like kind of thing at the end <laughs> I
1: always forget about that part. Yeah, I have to listen. I have to listen to it again to hear, to hear that. I mean, I love the opening of it. It just draws you in. It's very propulsive, and and that's appropriate to the way she's drawn in to what's going on. Oh yeah. Like you're carried. I mean, you're carried on by it, and I think that's that totally suits the story that she's telling.
2: Absolutely. Getting carried away with this guy, and you're just, oh, hey. The only thing, I think the only kind of little quibble I have with the song, really, with Heads for Dancing, is for me, I feel like it goes on all, maybe about a minute too long. I feel like, okay, because it's just, let's just by the end, we're just kind of repeating. It feels a little bit repetitive toward the end.
1: A little bit. I, I can see that.
2: But then there are other times where I'm just like, yeah, I'm just kind of caught up in the groove, and I don't really care that it's been almost five minutes. That's maybe the only kind of quibble I have with the song. I like the idea. I think it's it's an intriguing... It, it's like like we are talking about. It. It's it's an intriguing idea. It's not a song theme that most people really kind of delve into. But we already knew that about Kate. She doesn't do everything like everybody else. And that's although, why we love her.
1: Although I would think there are probably... Qu- I mean, I, I can't think offhand. I'd have to like... Not... In the specifics of it, but I think there you could probably find a lot of songs of the theme of being carried away by some being caught up in someone who is clearly, clearly trouble and clearly dangerous for you. Oh,
2: wait. Sorry, I just started to immediately. I, you said that, and I thought of a Taylor Swift song. Yes, I know. A Taylor Swift song. <laughs> I knew you were trouble. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. <laughs> <laughs> so shame on me now. <laughs> I just went like with using someone from history to kind of illustrate
1: that. No, that that is that is unique. I can't really. I agree. I can't think of anyone else offhand who's done that.
2: But you are right. Now that I think that there there are a lot of like, hey, wait, you were so charming, and I you kind of screwed me over. <laughs> kind of thing. I can tell there's probably hundreds of country songs like that. I was, I was
1: just thinking you'd probably go through the list of that, absolutely, of country.
2: But the fact that she uses somebody from history to insul- illustrate that is very uniquely Kate. Nobody else can do that. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to say about no. Heads Were Dancing?
1: I, I think we covered it all. I think that was a great discussion. I think I, so. I, I'm really grateful to be on. I enjoyed talking with you.
2: Indeed. Thank you so much for taking the time to go and chat about Heads for Dancing and being on the show. Your second time being on the show. Yay! Yay. And so where can people find your stuff where can people um, find your work? This man's work.
1: You you can find them. I see what you did there. <laughs> Very nice. Um, you can find me, look for JJ D. Benedetto on Amazon. All my books are there or at my website, www.jjdbenedetto.com.
2: Indeed. Go check out his, go, go, go check out this man's work. You all like what you hear. We all like what you see. Thank you again for being on the show. Yay.
1: Thank you. That was a lot of fun.
2: thank you for listening to this week's episode of a strange phenomena the music of kate bush while well, we're done with side one of the central world time to flip the record over and go to deeper understanding that's going to be the next song episode that will be coming out after the new year in january 2021 But later this week, there's going to be a special surprise in your feeds. A couple of weeks ago, Zoe and I got together over Zoom, got to see each other for the first time, mind you. and we watched the Great Bush Christmas special together and talked about it as we were watching it so later this week you guys are going to get to hear our commentary on the Kate Bush Christmas special you get to watch and listen along with us it was such a fun experience oh my god and I know you guys will have such fun listening to what we had to say about everything because oh my god Kate Bush and Christmas Woo! so now if you enjoy the show you can support me on patreon patreon.com slash Bush podcast you can also go to Twitter, Twitter, at StrangeKateCast, and on Facebook, facebook.com, slash KateBushPodcast. I don't know why I started reading that as a robot, anyway. You can also call the hotline, 1-757-349-6369, and your message could be played on a future show. You never know. And also, you can email me, Podcast at gmail.com. Remember, that's a brand new one, Kate Bush Podcast at gmail.com. Well, my goodness... I can't wait to drop the episode that's going to come out later this week with the Kate Bush Christmas special. And until then, I'll see everybody next time. And I hope you thank you so much for your support of the show. Bye.